DJ PK and John Crotty. Former jazz man, now the Miami Heat TV analyst, joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any iPhone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. John, good morning. Hey, DJ PK. How you guys doing this morning? We're doing all right. How are you? Good. Doing great. You know, it's ironic. As the Jazz and Heat face each other, they have the exact same record, 35 wins, 18 losses. The Jazz have just gone through a really hot streak where they won 19-21. Uh, then they lost five in a row, and now they right. bounced back and they've won three in a row. It just got really bad and then turned around and got really good very quickly. <laughs> Is that kind of a similar feeling the Heat have going one and three on this road trip with the win being over the Warriors? You know, part of it uh, on this road trip has been injuries. Uh, He'd have had some significant ones with Jimmy Butler being out for a couple games. He was back last game, which really made a difference. Uh, Tyler Hero's been out, who gives them a lot of scoring off the bench. So that's been part of it. And then part of it's also, it's a, it's a difficult West Coast swing playing against, you know, some really good teams. And, um, you know, so that, that hasn't made it easy. And then, you know, had the trade situation happen, which is, I think is, is very positive for Miami, but you're trying to acclimate guys on the fly and get them, you know, playing at a high level at the same time you're on the road. So haven't had a lot of practice time together. Yeah, that's well and good, but I just like to bask into someone who, like myself, was born in Orange, New Jersey. That's what matters the most to me, man. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. It's good. That's good for you. It's good feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Guys who took their first breath in Orange, I mean, we're just successful. Look at us. <laughs> that's right. We got tougher lungs than most because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, additional toxin in the air over there, man. But yeah, you got Newark and Jersey City just right down the street. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As I look at the heat, to me anyway, and obviously you want to get your opinion on it, there's somewhat of a surprise. Now, when they got Jimmy Butler, you know, you knew, okay, they're expected to be pretty good. But I think that depending on how, you know, with uh, the, the trade and they acclimate these guys, I think they got a shot to contend. Are you, are you thinking the same thing? Well, I think, look, I think they're playing at an incredibly high level, and I would agree. I think our team here in Miami uh, uh, is the uh, it's really the surprise of the league right now. We've been able to get some younger players and sort of unknown players performing at a really high level. Guys like Kendrick Nunn, who came in, um, you know, as a, as a rookie um, and has started and, and played well up until late, going through a bit of a slump. Um, you know, Tyler Hero, I mentioned, who was our 13th pick, who's performing better than you know, some guys, you know, significantly higher than that in the draft. And then a guy like Duncan Robinson, who played last year in the G League and is one of the premier three-point shooters in the league. These guys were really, you know, I think we'd all be lying if we said we knew they were going to perform like they have. And then you, you blend it with a Jimmy Butler, who's a who's come in and, and really surprised me after watching him play for a lot of years. He's, he's handled the basketball and played as a point forward, like almost like a point guard, obviously, out there handling the ball, controlling the flow and um, so I, I've been very pleasantly surprised. I, you know, I, I think they you know, when we play against the super talented teams, we're we're still you know maybe lacking some of that elite talent, but but we're certainly in a position where we play so well together. If you watch our team, you'll really appreciate the way the ball is shared and and the toughness on the defensive end. And I like our recent acquisitions because you know guys like Jay Crowder and and Andre Iguodala, you know, really. I think fit that culture and fit that mindset. 
So, John, when you played in Utah, obviously you played for Jerry Sloan, who had a massive, you know, 20-year run. And now you're watching Spolster, who's been with the Heat for more than 20 years and is assistant for a decade and now more than a decade right. as a head coach. How much, when you have all these transitions, how much does it matter to have that kind of stability with the coach? Oh, it's huge. Oh, it's absolutely huge. I mean, that's the one thing that I've noticed in my, you know, all my years associated with the NBA is, you know, the good teams pick the right people and they stick with them even when, you know, times are, uh, you know, get challenging. They don't bail. The bad teams, uh, the poorly run teams, you know, they panic, they they fire coaches, they, there's constant turnover. And it's it's really hard to, to generate any kind of traction. you got to have, you know, Stability. You got to have people that, uh, you know, they know they have the confidence of, of, of the staff and, and the management team and ownership to, to really stick with it. And then the players, the players read that, guys. I mean, they know. They know if a guy's on shaky ground, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, whether or not they can push the envelope and get away with things versus in a real stabil- stable situation. They can't do that. And, and, you know, I think the better teams also, they get the elite talent to have character, and, and that trickles down. And, you know, I think of the Jazz teams that I was fortunate to play with here with Stockton and Malone and Hornacek and, you know, a guy like Mark Eaton. Um, you know, th- those guys had character, and they were really good players. And, and what happens then is you're coming in to that situation, um, you know you got to toe the line, you know you got to work hard and do the right things and be accountable, otherwise you're not going to be here alone. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, we hear, and we've been doing this show now for 18 years in the morning, and we, we hear of occasionally, not so much anymore, of players in the NBA, well, I don't want to go to Utah. And I always thought that was, it was ignorant. And I think that today's players are far more sophisticated, and the very things that you just said are what's appealing to them. And so you can look at a franchise out here in no man's land in Salt Lake City, but but guys, no matter who you are, no matter black, white, it doesn't matter. You will be attracted to this place because of all the things that they have to offer. Number one being stability and ownership and management and coaching. Yeah. And I think that players are excited about that. And that stereotype is gone. Maybe not completely, but would you say that in my mind, agree with me, that it's gone to a large extent and players want that these days? I, I would tell you the players are much you know, more educated on those things versus just making decisions based solely on, you know, financial um, decision-making and what the the bottom line dollars are. Obviously, that's a huge factor, but I think players have become much more, you know, they're almost recruited by teams more, uh, almost like a college situation at the professional level, which never happened during the era I played. Um, You know, in regards to, to Utah, I think, you know, ownership... Being stable is, is huge, and I think Coach Quinn Snyder, I have a lot of respect for him. I love what he's done here in his six, seven years that he's been here, and I think he's he's a real he does a really nice job connecting with players. I think, um, you know, guys appreciate that and see the nucleus of guys that, that are here and how, how well this team has continued to perform uh, throughout the course of the season and, and made some playoff runs and, and again, is, is poised to do the same. So um, I, I, would, I would just tell you, I think sometimes guys – in today's day and age, they you know they love the idea of the bigger market, and that's you know always a, a challenge when you're in a place like Salt Lake. But you know there are things about it when you when you have been other places and you come to a place like Salt Lake, and that and that that's endearing is that 
the fans really take you in. I feel like more than other cities, and they appreciate the franchise. It's it's the major you know pro franchise in town. You're not competing with football or baseball at a high you know at an MLB or NFL level, and um, and and that's nice and it matters and it's and it's it's a great place to live. If you came back and saw the facilities the Jazz have, and maybe you have been through their practice facility and saw the facilities, no, oh, you have. Yeah, have. So it's you great. know, it's great. right? And then you look back at what you played in because didn't you practice at Westminster Gym? <laughs> yes, sir, Westminster, <laughs> and then out in the um, oh, geez, what's the other place that was way out west? Um, oh yeah, yeah uh, off the freeway, Franklin Covey. Franklin Covey, yeah, the. Right. Yeah, you basically just. Yeah, yeah. Did you like dress at home and just drive in your car and get out and go to practice? (laughs) No, no, it wasn't that bad, man. Come on, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I was downstairs (laughs) once. We were sent downstairs to do interviews at Westminster, and I looked at the showers and thought my high school showers were nicer. Westminster, by the way, has redone Uh, their gym, so even if you were there now, it'd be a hundred times better. (laughs) But but I, I bring that up because the whole point you make about recruiting players. All that yeah. kind of stuff matters, and I assume Miami's made a massive investment in all that stuff too. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm fortunate, obviously, traveling around doing the TV with the team. Now, um, I get to go to all well, the different arenas, and what, what's what's uh, really become more common now is the, the workout facilities are actually at the arenas. Um, you know, the Jazz, I think, still have the separate facility, but a lot of them are in the in the same place. And they have a court and a half or two courts within the as just pure practice courts. The idea being, you know, you have one place to go instead of multiple. And I'll tell you, everybody's really ramped it up. Um, the amount of money going into the training facilities and the, and the workout facilities, the, the weight room, and, the, and also the physical therapy to you know to keep guys healthy and going. It's it's, it's remarkable. Um, so I've seen that pretty much everywhere. What's interesting is you know. The, the arena turnovers. It, there's been a lot of new arenas. I was. We were just up at uh, playing Golden State, the Chase Center. Wow. I mean, you want to talk about a, a an amazing facility? What they've done there. They got the biggest scoreboard. It's fantastic. Uh, where we broadcast from was was very interesting. It was almost like a football perch. Um, you know, they they thought about things a lot differently than most arenas do, which are, you know, just bottom line. Uh, you know, how to drive income. Um, they they thought about the experience. Uh, from different different levels too, including the player experience, which you know they have their their facility there pr- from a practice uh, perspective too. We got to see that, and it was amazing. So Jay Crowder was a fan favorite here because of his toughness, and obviously he came along sure. in the Iguodala deal. I'm wondering, did Miami have to take him, or did they want him to come with the Iguodala? Oh, I think they wanted him. No, and he and I think we, <laughs> you can see why uh, he. He's been outstanding over the last two games uh, for us and, and really helped the team, uh, you know, showing what you talked about, his toughness, his, his grit. He gets down on the floor, goes after loose balls, uh, defensively shows versatility. Uh, from a from a physicality standpoint, he's able to guard, you know, one through four, basically. He can even bang on a small five because he's about 240 pounds. And then his three-point shooting and I think what he's really appreciating with this team is the way they share the ball, the way they move it. And he's been the recipient of getting some, some good open looks and, and knocking down shots, you know, to the tune of uh, four and then five, or five and then four three-pointers over the last two games each. He's, he's really been a, a nice factor for Miami and fitting in very well. I'm curious your perspective on the uh, on the top of the West. 
I think there's a lot of people who think a Laker-Clipper final is inevitable, and often when you have the best players, you have the best team, and they got LeBron and Kawhi, so I get that logic. But the rest of the team still has to perform. And we saw Paul George have a bad playoff series, especially a bad end of the playoff series against the Jazz in Oklahoma City a couple of years ago. And he's had some other postseason issues, and he just had a 3-for-15 shooting night against Philly. And Anthony Davis has improved in the postseason. Do you think the Lakers and Clippers are vulnerable in the playoffs against the Rockets or the Jazz or the Nuggets or whoever in the West? Yeah, look, we've we've played both LA teams. Um, you know, each the, the two a lot of times we play, and we just finished playing the Clippers. Uh, look, we've played Denver. We've obviously played you guys. Um, there's a lot of good teams out in the West. Houston's doubling down with their you know going small three point shooting. Uh, mentality, but uh, the thing that impresses me about the two LA teams is, first of all, the Lakers have LeBron, who's playing uh, at a rejuvenated, very high level, and obviously we had him for four years, got to see up close what he can do. He makes everyone around him better, but the length they have from an athletic perspective around the rim is really hard to combat. I mean, between um, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard, um, interestingly enough, they use their length because they can play fast and within, um, you know, the pace of the modern NBA. Um, these guys um, really make a difference and really hurt us. Um, and then we just played the Clippers on this trip, and you know what's what's amazing there is just defensively how good they are. I mean, you talk about Paul George not shooting the ball well. Well, think about a, a defensive team, you know, that has uh, what they have from a a weapon standpoint, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George are both all defensive type performers. They've got great depth. They've got, they're the only team that have four players that can score 19 points or more because they bring Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell off the bench. And they just added more depth at the trade deadline. So, you know, I I think those two teams are going to be really hard to beat in a series. I I think in any one game, you know, watching the Jazz play and, and watching Denver play, absolutely. I just think it's going to be hard in a steer, in a series without, you know, some sort of injuries taking place um, of key guys on either one of those teams. I want to ask you about uh, Bam Adebayo. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, he was, well, I think he was like the 14th, 15th pick out of Kentucky. So it wasn't like he was out of nowhere. 13, yeah. Uh, okay. So he's in his third year, but the from, from where he was first year, then the second year, now his third year, he's taken massive jumps. Is that a surprise? That's, that's, uh, that's a very accurate statement. And I would tell you that's sort of what the Miami does with players. I mean, they do a tremendous job, not only of finding what I would call diamond and the rough guys, but they develop guys. I mean, people come here, they put in a summer's worth of work, and all of a sudden in the fall, people are like, what, what happened to this guy? He's all of a sudden, you know, a, a much different player. Uh, I referenced some of the younger guys who have who are already performing well <clears throat> just after a summer league with us. Bam's been a guy who's gotten better every year. He's a relentless worker, guys. He's he's uh, he's really talented. He's, he's what I would call the modern age big man where he's – you know, about six ten, and he's he's you know not super heavy and bulky, but he's super quick, um, very athletic. Um, his his well rounded game, he can handle the basketball. He's one of our top assist guys, so they run offense through him at the top of the key area. Um, you know, runs the floor like a deer and can finish on top of the rim with with great athleticism. Um, has developed uh, the ability to you know make some mid range shots, and and that's been 
uh, you know, in the past his Achilles heel. Um, so with Hassan Whiteside being traded to Portland uh, early, early this year in the offseason, this allowed um, Bam to step into the starting role, and, and he's been just answering the bell. He's, you know, he's an Iron Man in terms of durability. He plays every game and has played at such a, a high level with the team winning. He's getting to his first All Star game, so I'm really happy for him. You know, we've seen similar storylines with the Jazz. Rudy Gobert has improved dramatically. Joe Ingles has improved dramatically. Uh, Royce O'Neal, now George and Ang, we're seeing really big improvement there, too. So I think when you see these guys improve and you see the amount of time you can put into it and you see how big coaching and development staffs have gotten in the NBA, do you think going forward with the one-and-done rule gone that we're going to see even more players coming straight out of high school because you can just improve more quickly in the NBA than you can in college? Well, I think it's. I think part of it's that, but part of it's financial, right? I mean, the guys are just trying to get to the. If you can get in and get a three-year contract, and you have that time to improve, you're, everyone's trying to get to that max deal as soon as they can. And if that means leaving school early or only going from, you know, whatever the new rule is, they're trying to get to that. That next contract, whatever the, the years are, you know, three to four years before you can get there. If you get a guarantee, and you get drafted in the first round. Why wouldn't you take it and leave early, and then you have that time to develop? It's just the way it's it's uh, the system set up now. I think it's it's really uh, advantageous for the player to come out if he's if he's already at a pretty high level, and then he can develop his skills. And I think it's very difficult for teams though, because a lot of times they invest time and money in guys to get better. And then they become a free agent and go somewhere else. So, John, do you think Mike Conley is the second best left-handed point guard in Jazz history? <laughs> I think, like as much as I'd like to uh, to say uh, otherwise, he's he's a hell of a player, man. I, I mean, look, he is a, he's really uh, I think a, a nice fit for you guys, and um, you know when he's healthy, it really helps your team. He's a he's a really talented player and a, and a winner and. Um, a guy who, uh, you know, to me is, is overlooked at times. And, you know, hopefully he's continuing uh, out here to uh, to be professional and, and show the, the younger guys the right way. And still he's, he's still effective scoring the ball and, and running the team. Well, despite the fact you're from Orange and we had to go through all the New Jersey junk with PK again, it was good to have you on, John. <laughs> Brother, I'll call I him brother. It. I appreciate it, DJ. <laughs> Thanks, DK. You guys, great to be on with you, and uh, appreciate what you do. And great to be back in, in Salt Lake City here for uh, a day or two. And uh, and uh, always always feel comfortable here. The people here were, were great to me, and I had a, a great five years of my life out here playing for the Jazz. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. Take care, John Crotty, former Jazz player, now TV analyst for the Miami Heat. Yeah, I know this guy. He was the best right-handed point guard from Orange who lived there for a bit and then moved to Phoenix and then moved to Los Angeles and then moved to Sandy. He's number one. And that's the Jersey junk I was talking about. If you really narrow it down, (laughs) there's a place for everybody. If you really (laughs) narrow it down. All right, Yach, have you been working in there? Uh, just a little bit. Yeah? What have you accomplished? I'm going to have Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera on to talk about Mel Tucker. Reacting to the story of the morning. Yeah. One and done. Mel Tucker. The AD's not retired leaving. He's put out a statement that they'll rebound from this, and they're confident. And Coaching blah, blah, blah. search is underway. Mel Tucker said he was not going to Michigan State. 
but he's going to Michigan State and doubling his money. One year at Colorado. So we will talk and find out the reaction from Colorado, from Boulder, next. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Brian Howell, beat writer for BuffZone.com. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? I wonder if you have access to how much traffic BuffZone.com is getting this morning as CU grads <laughs> all over the state and all over the country wake up to the news that your football coach has bailed after one year for a job that he wasn't taking as recently as a couple days ago, but now he can take it, and he is, and he's doubling his money. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I haven't really slept a whole lot as the news broke about you know, 11.15, 11.30 last night as I was getting ready to go to bed. And so I was up all night working on stuff. And, you know, obviously the people that are night owls were responding, but there was a lot of people that were were asleep. And, you know, so then certainly things have, uh, you know, busted loose even more with people waking up to that news. And it's, it's been surprising to a lot of people, and there's a lot of anger and hurt and things like that. And, you know, I understand it from all those fans. I mean, this was... Just yesterday, uh, Mel Tucker did three radio spots in Denver where he said, hey, I'm committed to the Buffs. Uh, you know, year two is about building upon our foundation, all that stuff. And just last night, hours before the news broke, he was at a donor event in Denver talking to donors. So um, okay. he was making the rounds uh, even while he was negotiating. This doubles down on the sliminess, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, you, you hear all the things that are coming out now, and it's like, you know, since this whole thing started, I mean, the news broke initially that he was uh, interested, or the initial state was interested in him last Friday night while he was at a donor event in San Diego. And, uh, you know, he did more donor events in California on Saturday. So he's talked to a lot of donors and done a lot of, uh, you know, putting out statements that he's committed to Colorado during the last several days. So he wants out because A, it's double the money, B, he thinks there's a lot of hefty, heavy living to do, hefty, heavy lifting to do in Boulder, and he's not sure he can do it. C, because he's got some kind of tie to Michigan State we don't know about, and it's kind of a dream job. What, what is really driving this? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of you know all three of those things. I don't think that um, the, that the task here was too much for him, but I think certainly, I mean, if the reports are true. Michigan State's going to more than double his salary and more than double the assistant coach salary pool than what he could get here. Um, that's huge right there. You know, Michigan State obviously is a program that has been to bowls 12 of the last 13 years. College has been to one in the last 12 years. I mean, Michigan State's already kind of built the way Mel Tucker wants to build Colorado. So there's not as much building to do there. And, you know, he started his coaching career as a GA at Michigan State. And uh, grew up in Cleveland, which is only three and a half hours away. So he's closer to his parents, closer to home. So I think all those factors came into play for him. How about the guys who just signed? I mean, he obviously signs two with the signing date. You end up in December and then last week. Have you heard any response from these guys? Yeah, there's been a lot of it on Twitter. And, you know, the, the top recruit in their class was a running back out of New Orleans, his name is Shad Clayton. You know, four-star running backs that, you know, on 24-7 sports, one of the highest-rated guys in the last eight years. And he's one of those guys that uh, apparently woke up this morning to the news and, you know, was on Twitter saying, I, I can't believe I was lied to from a guy looking looking me straight in the eye. Um, so he's clearly upset. I've seen other recruits that have said, hey, I'm still committed. This is where I want to be. So 
Um, I, I imagine there will be some mixed reactions and maybe some guys that um, try to get out of their, their national letter of intent and, and try to move on elsewhere. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that class. How much do you think this reflects on the Pac-12 office and Larry Scott and the bad media deal and schools not having enough money to compete? First, Washington State loses their coach, Mike Leach, to uh, Mississippi State. Now this. Yeah, I I think it it is a reflection of that. I mean, Colorado, uh, you look at their revenue, and the most recent numbers I saw, I think, were fiscal year 2018. And, you know, Colorado's uh, athletic department revenue was about $55 million less than Michigan State. So there's a huge gap there, and that gap's still growing. And you know, with a Michigan State offer, if they're really giving him five and a half, six million dollars a year, Colorado can't compete with that. They can't compete with six million dollars a year for assistance. And I'm not sure there's a whole lot of Pac-12 schools that can. And this is not the best team in the Big Ten. I mean, this is a good team, but it's not the best team. And you know, if the Pac-12 teams can't compete with that, it's going to be tough to compete down the road for high-quality coaches. Already talk about Eric Bieniemy. Obviously, we know he played there, and he's got a good thing going with Kansas City in the NFL. What do you think about his choices or his chances of taking over there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'd be curious if he actually would want that job. He he was the offensive coordinator here, um, 2011 and 12, the first two years of the Pac-12, and that was obviously a very ugly two-year period for Colorado. It didn't end well uh, for that staff, and for Bieniemy, you know, he's. I know he didn't get any jobs this, this winter, but he interviewed for jobs. He's going to be a hot candidate in the NFL in about 10 months. And I would think if you're the enemy and you can do that and not have to deal with recruiting, I think he's more set up for an NFL job. And I'm not sure he would necessarily want to come back to Boulder. You know, looking from a state away, uh, I think we've often wondered how much energy and passion there is around Colorado football, especially with the Broncos right down the road commanding so much interest and so much money. In a weird way, does something like this set people off and maybe rally people around the program? Yeah, maybe it can. Um, And it is an interesting market. You know, I mentioned yesterday, Mel does three radio spots in Denver. What's unusual about that is that Denver radio doesn't ever talk about anything other than the Broncos and maybe some of the other pro sports. So for him to be on three radio shows in one day in Denver was almost like it was calculated that he wanted to get the message out that he was committed. So, um, but yeah, I think bus fans, you know, a lot of them, the message you see on, on, on Twitter, on social media is that, Hey, they want to rally around the bus and Hey, we're still shoulder to shoulder, all those things. And so maybe that does galvanize uh, the fan base. I think there's also a lot of them that, kind of look at it and say, you know what, I'm done with this program. If they can't compete you know, with coaches, we're not ever going to be able to compete. So um, you know how fans are. There's always those dividing lines. So if it's not the enemy, who do you think? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because it's so late in the process. And, um, you know, I don't know where they go. I think a guy like Graham Harrell um, could be a candidate. Uh, I think you got to look at maybe a young coach that, you know, wants to make his mark and prove himself and, and they can be here for several years. And, you know, that was the thing with Tucker was that he didn't come from Colorado. He's not, he didn't have any ties. He didn't have any West ties or Pac-12 ties. I always felt like he was one that if he succeeded, he wasn't going to be here very long. And I think Colorado's got to find a guy that wants to be here and, and try to make make their mark in this conference at, at CU for a while. Craig Bowles done pretty well at Wyoming. Does that count? Brian Harson at Boise State. Am I going through the usual suspects and there's really no point in doing this because it's not going to be them? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, those are guys certainly that, you know, they're 
you know, they, they come up for a lot of jobs and, you know, I think CU could pay more than both those schools and, um, it'd be interesting to see what would happen there. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough because it is so late in the process. I mean, it's, it's an unusual thing to see a coaching search in February and, must have spring ball in about a month, so are they going to have anybody in place by then? You would hope so, but you know what's their staff going to look like? There's a lot of questions for this team. Well, the way things are going, I nominate Mike Leach. <laughs> you know, who knows at this point, right? You know what? You know what would be funny is if Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, you know totally. what? I'm going to go to Colorado. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be. I wonder so, at what the, point. That you know the the SEC and the Big Ten have so much money, and you're right. You know you get a lot more resources at Michigan State to build a program, and they're a lot further down the road. But they got to catch Ohio State. You know Utah's won a Pac-12 South the last couple of years. Colorado has to catch Utah. Now everybody here loves the Utes, but I think the hardest core Ute fans driving down the road right now are like, "Ooh, he's got to catch Ohio State." Yikes! And Penn State and Michigan in the process, and we've seen uh, uh, Arkansas stole Wisconsin's coach a few years ago. Well, you got to catch LSU and Alabama and Auburn. At what point do people come to the Pac-12 because it isn't the other leagues? Yeah, it's interesting. But Michigan State, you know, you're right. But I mean, they were in the college football playoffs just four seasons ago, mm-hmm. and they've won three Big Ten titles in the last ten years. So, um, I mean, they've had more success than Michigan in the last decade. So. Um, how far off are they? I don't know. And I, I think if you're a competitor like Mel Tucker, you know, you think you can beat those guys. And um, I think more so for Tucker, you know, obviously there's money involved and things like that. But, um, you know, Tucker's used to being at the highest levels. He's won national titles at Ohio State, Alabama, was in a national title game with Georgia. Can he get there in the Pac-12 right now? I don't know. But, you know, if you win the Big Ten, you're probably in. Well, Brian, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us when you've been pulling an all-nighter after the news broke. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, guys. All right, Brian Howell, BuffZone.com, beat writer, covering CU, the big football news, the money talks, everything else. See, I wonder, you've been been outraged this morning. I have. I know. But I wonder how many fans haven't worked up to your level of outrage. How many fans listening to us right now are at your level of outrage? And how many people are like, man, I was done being outraged with college sports five well, or ten years ago. It's more money now, questions. but it's the same thing. We've yeah. all known this. It's a couple there's, of things. There's a hierarchy, and you climb the ladder. One, I'm more outraged knowing that he was doing interviews. Literally yesterday. Yes. Which means and, he had no idea Michigan State was going to come and, back to him, I assume. And we know, we've been over there, we know it's Broncos, Broncos, Broncos. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. so he's doing three Bit of, a little bit of nuggets now well, because winning. they're second in the West. They're winning. Yeah, right? And, 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 and that's the Rocky, what it, the but that's what it, and and that's what it takes to break through oh, for sure. Bronco Mania. And so he's doing, he's doing interviews, and so I'm more outraged. And secondly, I don't think there's a lot of outrage here. There's actually joy because Utah's rival has taken a hit. I see what you did there. <laughs> right, you fans? I don't think this that's right. This is your rival! I think it's another team in the Pac-12 South that is down. No, is no, no. Stay you're down. rumbling in the Rocky Mountains, and they've got to go with another coach. Colorado and Arizona barely have a pulse. UCLA may be getting off the mat. Colorado we and Arizona, okay. Barely have a pulse. I, I, UCLA I, might I be getting I Tucker was building something. Right, 
But now they don't have a pulse again. This is worse. So they're and pulseless. And if he'd stayed there, you're right, two or three down, years down the line, if he's there, he might have had four good recruiting classes and a really good team. I, That's I why agree. they're happy. So they're not outraged. <laughs> they're, Their rival is taking a major hit. It's like me. When I see the Pac-12 rankings and four stars signed and Arizona's name has zero, I'm happy. <laughs> the difference is that that's really a rivalry. <laughs> What? You got the rumble? It's the no. co- well. It's the longest nickname. Yes, you got me there. <laughs> Civil War, Territorial Cup. Uh, what and for Apple? the people who were season ticket holders <laughs> in the fifties and the early sixties, maybe it rejuvenates something. But for most of us, that's the game at the end of the year. You fans, get on our app right now. Are you happier that your rival lost his coach or that Bronco Mendenhall took off? Because you're one of the few teams. You're like SC. You got two rivals. You got in conference and out of conference, right? There's only two teams in the in the Pac-12 that can really say that. Well, three, I guess, because Colorado could say Colorado State. Yeah, yeah. So you got the two Rumbles and the Rockies. You got that bitter rivalry, and then you got SC Notre Dame, and then obviously the crosstown one. And so they've got two. So this is a great... They talk about it. I'm surprised Scally hasn't tweeted out, it's a great day to be a Ute. <laughs> it's not. I think if you could get Morgan in an honest moment, and maybe you can, he'd be like, hmm, CU's going to be down for two more years. <laughs> and then we'll see, you know. He's just hoping that the guy they hired doesn't take over when he's ready to take over for Kyle. But I think that uh, all of your nonsense and yelling aside... What? Which I realize my, is part of the my show. My gosh. Importing Orange, New Jersey. That you kind try of nonsense. to make a contribution in you your did. job. You did. And nonsense and yelling is what it boils down nope. to. Nope. I'm about to. All that aside. nonsensical yelling? All just that one aside, word or one phrase. All that aside, Brian Howe underlined something you have said for a long time. And he went straight to it almost word for word when he said, I think it's really important that Colorado gets somebody with ties to the program. I always felt like if Tucker had some success, he was going to take off. I didn't see it after a year, but if he had success, he would. Five wins. And they really, yeah, right. (laughs) They really need someone with ties to the program. That is, you know, people can yell and complain and scream about you, but when you're really serious about sports, you're spot on. You've talked to so many people for so long, even if it's not your opinion, you got it from talking to 10 other people at Utah and BYU and whatever other you know teams in the conference. You talk to other beat writers when you're a beat writer, and you still go to conference tournaments and talk to people. And this is something that is out there, and it's front and center at CU right now. And Especially so it, with the money. It's really important Blowing up. what level of tie, and I think it doesn't matter. You know, all these schools, I mean, coaches change. And sometimes it takes longer like it does with Kyle, and he's having a heck of a run here. But it's a constant thing. And the thing to do is to slow it down a little bit and have a little bit of the continuity that John Crotty was just talking about when he said it's so important. Have oh, a little sure. bit of the continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is, is Gary going to do, you know, one more year or two more years? I don't really think anybody here thinks he's going to do five more years. Maybe he'll shock us all, and he will. You know, but I think finding someone who has ties to the area, that's why Jay Hill is such a great candidate. You know, people look at Jay and think, man, you are crushing it at Weaver State. You were just, you're in the national quarterfinals three years in a row or better. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because it was semi this year. Yeah. But you're in the final eight, and Weber was never there before. You've shared no. three straight conference yeah, titles. Phenomenal. And a couple times, 
Coach said, you know, Mac had a really big year and was in the playoffs and played a couple games. But nobody's done and sustained what Jay has done. He's a great candidate with ties to the other area. And whether you're an Aggie or you're a Cougar, you know change is coming at some point. And so who else? You know, Morgan, there's another good candidate, right? Ties to the area. Because Brian brought it up, and when he said it, man, it was like the words were coming right out of your mouth. Yeah, I think it's important in some of these places. You bring in these dudes from the outside, and you're right. Urban. And he took the Utes to the highest height, so it kind of made it relatively more okay. Like, well, wow. I'd, at San Diego State, I'd, I'd, I'd hire some gunslinger from the East Coast if he could do two years and, and go undefeated and go win the Fiesta Bowl. I'd do it. And I know that two-year turnover is great for the program, but that's offset by undefeated, by 22-2. and two. Okay, I'll do it. But that's the rare. Most of these guys passing through for one or two years, it sets the program that's back. That's the exception. It is totally the exception. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not good for your program. No. And, and I feel bad for the Colorado folks. And what worked for the Utes is that they bracketed Urban with two guys with local ties. Mac had a ton of local ties and had a long run here. Kyle's got a ton of local ties and has had a long run here. They were fortunate. Yeah. And they want to be here. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All I have to say is Stu Morrill was a lifer. You never had to worry about him being two-faced like that. Time for your feedback. That was Jack checking in there on the open mic. That's what the Colorado State people were saying. Because Stu left there and went to Utah State. <laughs> now, he was from Provo. I think he grew up there. So it was he was in Montana before CSU, yes, right? Yes, he was in the uh, Mike Montgomery chain. It's a Provo Bulldog. Yeah. Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or com. So you have to allow coaches to change jobs, and you have to allow them to retire. And that isn't exactly what Rocky Long did at San Diego State, but there's somebody else who left after the first signing date. Sinatra sings a song, My Way. Yeah. That thing was written for Rocky Long. (laughs) (laughs) Bleep you and he left New Mexico and bleep you and he left San Diego State. As a winner. You want to tell me to fire my coaches? Have you seen how much winning I've done? Did you see how much winning was done before here? But see, I think the thing is that once you're somewhere, I think Rocky did, what, nine years, I think, in San Diego What's the number where you can leave? Because you always have to leave and tell guys goodbye. Now, you yeah. don't have to sign them on two signing days and then say goodbye. You know, if you're out of there on December 1st. You don't have to do three radio hits in Denver the totally day agree. before. Come but see, on. even if he didn't, the one and done still stinks. Even if he hadn't said boo about this job, if he'd gone with the I don't comment on jobs line, which other college football and basketball coaches have used, including here, I don't comment on that stuff. Even if he'd done that, this still would have sucked. It's still the one and done Not as sucks. Bad. Not as bad, but I get your point. Uh, maybe you can hire guys and say you can't leave. Ever? No. After one year. Like So like after five years, is it okay that someone takes off? Oh, for sure. Even three feels fast. And Gary oh, Anderson only did well, two and a half years in Oregon State. How long they'll fire you, that should would be. If right, they'll well, fire you after one year, then you should be able to go after one year. Well, Florida State fired Taggart after two years. Now, he bailed on Oregon after one, so he can't really complain. Correct. But two seems freakishly fast. But I guess if you make a big enough mess of it, 
I mean, Florida State's not bowl eligible when you can schedule four wins. Well, they always play an in-state game that's good, so... Yeah, and we they hear, always play Florida, yeah. so they're playing. They're only scheduling they, three wins. So Colorado suffers because D'Antoni, uh, he wanted to D'Antonio, he wanted to coach one more year. And what I had heard is that they they were doing a search firm now, mm-hmm. and he got mad. And now some running back from Louisiana who signed with Tucker is hurt. Right. So the 18-year-old kid suffers. Yep. So the bottom line is this 18-year-old kid now has got to be totally free. Everyone who signs should be immediately released. And every player in the program that he committed, that he got to commit, should be immediately released. You're a senior and you're you're going to be on your third head coach in four years. The juniors will be on three and three. Brutal. It really is. And then you get one, one shot at it. Yeah. And you got no chance. I mean, you're not going to win doing that. No, I mean that's it's. I'm, I'm now. I'm pretty sure the Utes aren't going zero and nine in conference. <laughs> and they often said, if you have to lose all your games but just can beat your rival, that's a good season, right? At Utah, didn't they used to say that for years? So if they go one and eight with a win over the rival, Colorado, over there, no less, that's a good season, right? Stop it. (laughs) And this UTV guys, Chris Fowler tweets out, well, I can see both sides. Of course you can. You're a TV guy. Don't ever get your hands dirty. Play it right down the middle. Don't have a strong opinion. Oh, UTV guys. I love yous. DJ PK, we're out of here. Tony and Oscar up next. See ya.